Hey, she's the best. She's our Georgia director. She is one you know, thanks for that. That helps me. Go ahead, I don't say as much about who I am. You know, the time management class should probably start on time, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. So we'll get rocking and rolling. Uh, I will apologize. You know, time is what it is, but so is technology. There were slides for this, but we can't get the Wi-Fi signal. And of course, I used Google Slides. So, but I'll do my best to, if you need something repeated, you know, all that. So my name is Weta, Weta Bradford. You didn't read that cor correctly on the slide or wherever you saw my name. It was not misspelled. It does start with an O, and that is weird, yes, and unusual. My parents were not. Do you want me to fix it? Fix it what? No, it's okay. It's okay. I, I've got it paired with my phone, and we'll we'll go with me at least having it. So, in the interest of time, we won't try and make that happen. So I am the district Chi Alpha director here in Georgia, as Pastor Mike Tedder just said. I have been doing Chi Alpha as a staff person for 21 years now. So if you are in any way considering Chi Alpha and you go, can I make a life out of this? Is this just something I should do for a couple of years as a vocation? Yes, you can make a life out of this. I do have a house that I make payments on. <laughs> and I have a car that I recently bought a couple of years ago that I make payments on as well. And I have a child that I support. So let, there, let you know there is hope, all right? So 21 years in Chi Alpha. I got involved in Chi Alpha when I was a grad student at University of Georgia. And in that season, as I was trying to figure all the things out, I thought about helping with Chi Alpha, I thought about other things, and then kind of had that moment where the Lord was like, you know what, wouldn't it be great if this was your job? Wouldn't it be great if this was your job? Instead of just trying to find more time to do it as a grad student and try maybe be a graduate assistant, I had a great plan. God said, hey, I like your plan and all, but what if you just trusted me? What if you just trust me a little bit more? And I can tell you for 21 years it's been pretty great. They're pretty great because the Lord has done exactly what I asked him to do. I trusted him and I asked him to provide. So it's been my pleasure to work with university students first as an associate staff person, part-time, full-time staff. I was a pioneering director. I pioneered a Chi Alpha group here in Georgia at Columbus State University. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then from there, about eight years ago, moved into this full-time role where I get to resource and oversee Chi Alpha, help it grow, help staff and all that here in Georgia about eight years ago in 2013. And that's been pretty great, too. So that's a little bit about me. This is, uh, if you could see the slide up here, it would be me and my son. I am a single uh, mom. I did that through foster adoption, not that it's wrong if you did it any other way, but I found myself in my 40s, early 40s, and I still had not found the love of my life and prayed vehemently and fasted about that, and somehow the Lord still did not think it was time, but I knew I wanted to be a mom, and I did feel that calling very much. So I went through the process of foster adoption, and I have a 13-year-old son whose name is Carter, who's been with me now since 2016. And that's a whole other breakout and a whole other topic that I'd be happy to talk with you about at a different time. But it does mesh well with some of what we'll be talking about today with time. With time. So let's get into it. Uh, would somebody like to open us with prayer real quick? Can I volunteer for that? We've got praying people in this room. Yeah, go for it. Pray, pray over us. All right. 
Heavenly Father, um, thank you for all of us here. Uh, thank you for this time that we have together um, to just talk about how to better manage our time and how to um, just just to better serve you and your kingdom. Uh, thanks again just for this week and for everything else that will happen here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I couldn't think of uh, anything better to think about this, but this idea, you know, I called it time warp. Because isn't time weird? Don't you have a funky relationship with time, right? I have a funky relationship with time. Matter of fact, I have friends that we used to joke that we have a disorder that is time dysmorphia, right? So some of you may have heard of body dysmorphia, which is where people look in a mirror and their actual perception of how they look, the size of their body, all those things, they actually see themselves different. I feel like I have sometimes that kind of relationship with time. They're going to get me set up with a mic because I know it can be a little hard to hear. Um, time dysmorphia, where more often than not, everything takes longer than I think it's going to take. This most often happens to me on Sunday mornings when I'm trying to get to church on time. <laughs> what, is, what is it about that? I can be at meetings. I can start meetings on time. I can do all kinds of stuff. Something about certain things. Man, it doesn't matter. I'm always late to that. Some of you feel that. Some of you, that is your, you know, English class or your organic chemistry class or whatever it is. You're like, man, what is it with this? But we do have kind of this funky relationship. So, and it's actually, you know, there's a lot of studies that have been done on time. When we are occupied, when we're engaged with something socially, we're having fun, that cliche is accurate. Time flies when you're having fun. Test one, two. Okay. Yay. Yay. You will save my voice and they will actually hear what I have to say. So time flies. It really does fly when you're having fun. And that has something to do with the engagement. You're fully engaged. Uh, there's also a concept that's called flow, right? Flow is this idea of when you are fully invested and into and your attention is engaged with something, man, time just seems to just whoosh away. But then time so drags sometimes, right? Usually that is in the class that you like the least or sometimes in that church service when that particular message is not, you know, not jiving with you. Or when you were 13 like my son, when your mom is talking to you for the 30th time about the thing that you think you already know, right? It just feels like time, man. Which is so crazy because time, the actual concept of 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, that does not bend or change, right? So <laughs> it's pretty relentless, as a matter of fact, the way that it works. But somehow, we have this engagement with time. And, and it's interesting, you know, I was asked to teach this class, and I love Patrick's take on it. So Patrick had this idea of not only let's talk about time management, let's talk about also how that, I think, plays into anxiety and worry. Right? So you know what they say about you, right? They say it on the news. They say it on all kinds of things. You've been studied more than any other group of people in humanity for your spending habits related to money and time and all the things. And one of the things they say about you are you guys are the most worried generation, basically, that we've ever had. The anxiety levels, the need, you know, the engagement with mental health resources. 
Um, some of that, I believe, is distinctly tied into this idea of time and how time is affecting you and even what your perception is of time. I really do. So I love that we're going we're gonna to talk about several things today. And we're going to talk about them from a couple different perspectives. We're going to talk about perspectives, and we're also going to talk about the practical, okay? So we'll talk about perspective first. And I think a lot of our relationship to time, it's not so much about having what is the exact perfect, you know, can't lose magic bullet answer to how I manage my time. I think so much of it, like many things in our life, that are tangible but also spiritual. It's about how our head and our heart engage with the idea of time. Okay, so it's about perspective. So let's first talk about time and its effect on us from this idea of perspective. What are our hearts and our heads? How do they engage with time? And I think that starts with, for us, as people who are here at SALT, who are uh, at least curious, we're either curious about, you know, things of God, or maybe we're fully engaged with things of God, I think it's very important to start at the place of going, God is the God of time. Okay? So this idea of time, it, it is God created. From the moment he divided the heavens and the earth, and he set the sun, the moon, and the stars in the heavens and gave them their times and their seasons, we have had time. Which is this really kind of fascinating thing, right? God exists out of time. Right? I love what C.S. Lewis says, that if we were to think of our lives as a timeline written, like if I had a marker and this was a whiteboard and I could just write a timeline almost, just a straight line across this, and that represented your life. Is your life as the line? But God is that whiteboard. God is the paper that line is written on. And he is engaged equally in every moment of our life simultaneously. If you really want to blow your mind for a second, think about what does that mean, right? So when you want to go into, are all my things predestined or do I have free will? The answer to that question is to both of them, yes. <laughs> so did, did God make things happen or is God just aware of all of them? Yes and no, right? So it's this complex idea. <clears throat> but so God is outside of time, but God decided to create time. And everything in the creative world functions in some kind of way around time. And as a matter of fact, they've done some really interesting studies related to we have, we genuinely have an internal clock that functions on a 24-hour cycle. There was a, several decades ago, there was a Frenchman who wanted to do a study on this, and he descended into a cave and only took a single light with him. No timepieces. He, I mean, truly, he was isolated for two months. He had scientists that were outside of the cave who were, you know, recording his experiences, could hear things he was saying, but he had no concept of sunlight, moonlight, calendar days, he deprived himself of sensorily in all those different categories. And one of the things that was really fascinating as they monitored his sleep and awake cycles is there were times that they may have exaggerated themselves, but they worked in a 24-hour cycle. 
which was fascinating. We really do have an internal clock. And God really did hardwire into us this concept of time. So it was very important to God. It is something that is essential to us that we live within the constraints and we live in this world that he's created that is time. So let's think about time in two ways. They're Greek concepts, but they're also big picture concepts about scripture and how God works. The first is time the way that we think about it on a watch, chronos. Okay, so two big concepts about time. There is chronos time. Chronos time is chronological. See the root of that, right? Chronological or sequential time. In this second right now, my life will only continue to move forward into the next second. And all the seconds that have come behind me, I cannot go back into those seconds. It is sequential chronological chronos time it is measured it can be measured it can be counted it is quantitative so a couple of examples of that from scripture if you want a couple of you know and there, there's lots in there you think even just the you know the genesis account of course different people see that as allegorical or figurative but if you just think of okay when there was a sun and a moon there are chronological days right but psalm 90 verse 12 here's a good example Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So here's a good spiritual concept that clues us in. Why did God put us in time? Something about within the, being in the constraint of time and, and living in the pocket of that and owning that and not fighting that leads to a path of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So this idea of, oh no, there is a number on all of our days. And so I need to live with that awareness. I don't have forever when it comes to this gift of time that a God has given me in this life. And there's wisdom that comes from knowing that. Psalm 30, uh, excuse me, Psalm 139, verse one through three. Psalm 139 is one of my all time favorite uh, passages of scripture you get a, a little more of an idea of this. So verse 1 through 3, Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. So God's aware of all the comings and goings of how we spend our time. You are familiar with all my ways. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. This is verse 13, and then in verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So again, here's God. He is the genesis of our life, but he is also across the scope. I love this idea of, you know, I love what Eli was talking about with, you know, is, is God, our, are we looking for a personal assistant, right? He's our Lord and our Savior, okay? So he is our creator. He's at the Genesis, but he's also ordaining. I love that he's the author. See, I was an English major, right? So I like to think of it this way. Am I a character in God's story? Or is he a character in mine? 
right? So when I think about my time and the manner in which I live the sequential ordered way of my life, to think that the Lord has ordained in his book, I love to think that he's written my life in his book, and he is the author, and that changes my view of how I think about my sequential minutes. The second time concept that exists when we think about God, there's chronos, and then there's something called kairos. Kairos. And many of you may know what kairos is. Some of you may even have kairos-related tattoos. If I were to have a tattoo, <laughs> I would probably have something related to kairos. It's something I really love. If you want the spelling of it, the spelling is K-A-I, K-A-I-R-O-S. And Kairos is this. Well, actually, let me ask, because I like a little bit of engagement. If Who out there would say, what is Kairos? You felt like you got a good working definition of it. Someone's being, oh, okay, come on. Um, in my English 2 class in high school, my teacher said it was like an awareness of, like, the example he gave was like an awareness of how appropriate something is at a certain time. Like, if you're approaching your parents to go to someone's house and they're not in a good mood, you're not going to ask them if okay. they can go to someone's house. Yeah, I love this. What's your name? Jake. Jake. Jake just said, because uh, I know some of you can't hear it, uh, a good example would be, is this the right time? So, like, when you want to go to, when you were in high school and you wanted to go to a friend's house, you would go, oh, wait, my dad's in a bad mood. I better not. Ask. This is not the right, this is not the Kairos moment to ask if I can go to my friend's house because he's in a bad mood, right? So exactly. Kairos time is all about the right or opportune time or season. If you really want a simple concept to think about how time is organized with God related to Kairos, there's seasons, right? Uh, a good way to think about Kairos is lived and experienced. So Kairos is about experiences, it is qualitative. So here we got these two things about time that are functioning in our life. Sequential, ordered, chronological, chronos, time, seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, and kairos, seasons, opportunities, moments, the lived experience, right? So good examples of that would be this. Galatians 6, verse 9. 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Oh, man. How many times are we going, all right, God, how long? How long have I got to, I, you know, I'm working hard, I'm doing this, but I haven't seen the payoff. And here Paul is saying, don't give up in doing good. Keep doing it. Keep planting. Keep watering. Because that will harvest. And, and here's one of the things I think that makes it hard for us. Most of us have disconnected in a large way from the natural order, right? We used to be far more agrarian as a world. When we are tied more to the rhythms of the earth that the Lord established related to seasons and planting and harvesting and rain and seasons of dry and all that, we have a much greater sense of this. Right? However, you also get it, right? So the beauty of being in college is you get this a little bit. There's a fall semester with football season. There's a winter season with basketball. 
right? So we have all the big games at Thanksgiving that everybody wanna, wants to watch, the big rivalries, and then we got March Madness. Right? We've got rhythms and seasons if you're sports fans. We've got, you know, the things academically. I've got to take this in the fall in order to take what I need to take in the spring. Right? So there's a rhythm naturally to the academic world too. Another example, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> there is an appointed time. Another word for that would be season. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. And then if you've never looked at it, that chapter just has a beautiful list of all the things. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to mend. There's a time to tear down. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. And if you're a, you know, a fan of oldies, you've got the lovely turn, 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 the birds, the song, to every season, turn, 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 right? But that idea, again, there's a season. God has set things up in seasons. Lastly, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 16 says this. Be very careful then how you live. So with this idea in mind, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, right? So that there are things that will come in. There are forces. There are temptations. There's all kinds of stuff. So be wise to make the most of opportunities because opportunities, they also have a clock, right? When the season's done, the season's done. If you had, uh, maybe in your family, y'all would have like, especially during, come on, the shutdown in the pandemic, everybody who didn't make bread before made bread. <laughs> there was a season to how long that yeast needed to do what it needed to do, right? There are people right now who have sourdough starters. Your mom, some of, you know, some of your moms or grandmas or dads, they've never made bread before. Now they got that weird growing thing over in the side, right? <clears throat> there was a season, if you don't catch the season, Maybe they planted. That was the thing. A lot of people planted things. If you don't plant your tomatoes at the right time, you're not going to have tomatoes in July and August. There's a window, right? So Kairos and Kronos. So what does all this mean when it comes to perspectives? Here are some perspectives I'd like for you to get related to time that I think will bring some order and hopefully some peace to your soul. Okay, that are great ways to think about time, both the Kronos and the Kairos. First, time is a resource just like money. Time is a resource just like money. So when the Bible has all kinds of things and we think about money as, oh, I need to be careful with my money. Or a, I'm a big believer in a gigantic biblical concept that is a word called stewardship. Yeah. Stewardship. If you don't understand what that concept is, another more modern word that you can use in its place is management. We're talking about time management. Another way to think about this is time stewardship. I like stewardship better because in it intrinsically and in the culture of where that tradition starts is the idea that you've been entrusted Right? Someone who owns something, 
someone who possessed something has now put it into your care. Time has been placed into your care. You have breath in your lungs and you have time on this earth because the Lord trusts you. It's actually one of my favorite elements of, if you're familiar at all with the story in the Gospels, the parable of the talents, right? If you're not familiar, there's this story where a manager or someone who's in charge leaves and their servants, and the, the owner of that, he entrusts these servants, some with five units of money, some with two units of money, and one with one unit of money. And he says, okay, I'm going to come back. I want you to take this. I want you to make something of it so there's more when I come back. But if you look at sort of the language in it, it says exactly that, that they were entrusted with that resource. You have resources because the Lord entrusts them to you. And so now stewardship is, okay, I have time. It's a resource. I'm supposed to do something with this, right? Now here's where some of the anxiety and worry gets in. Some of you know that. You're scared to death you're going to mess it up. Right? Take a deep breath. <laughs> yes, you're stewarded, but there's something really beautiful about that. There's a kairos and a chronos to that. So time is a resource just like money. Here's the thing, though. Other than a few things we can do to be more efficient and a few things we might be able to do to make ourselves be more healthy, to give ourselves maybe just a smidge more time on this earth, time is not like money in that it's harder to make more time. I can find ways to make more money. It's next to impossible to make more time once time has passed. But it is a resource. This season, this chronos and kairos of your life that is wherever you are studying, it is a resource. Are you using it like a resource? Are you seeing it? Are you managing it? Knowing, hey, God may ask me, what'd you do with that? What'd you do with what I left you? Another way to think about this is this. It's like our life is a car, and we're in a car that has rearview mirrors, but there is no reverse gear in the car related to time. We can't go back. There are moments that are past that we will not get back. They're just, you just don't. Right now, you don't get to be 12 again. And some of that makes you feel really happy, and some of you, not so much, because you can't have, you know, just 100 ounces of soda <laughs> and a whole pizza like my son would like to do. Like, there was a season when you can make that work, and now, trust me, and the season I'm in in my life right now, I definitely cannot do that. I would be sick as a dog. So we're in a car with mirrors, but there's no reverse. So when we think about time, let's think about it that way. Okay? Another way to think about time. So here's, here's really the beauty of this. When we think about chronos, minutes that are passing, and kairos, opportunities, we have to manage chronos well so we do not miss out on kairos. Come on. Right? I bet if you stop for a minute and think, what is the time in your life when you did not manage the clock well and you missed an opportunity? 
Let's go back to football. Everybody here may not be football fans. I am a football fan. We all know what it's like. In the last few minutes, we're like, they totally botched. They did not manage the clock. Right? And they missed the touchdown. They had to settle for a field goal. We have to manage Kronos well in order to take advantage of Kairos. Right? Let me give you a really, let me give you a, a real humble, just transparent Weta Bradford College, one of my worst choices related to Kronos when I actually thought I had a Kairos and I was wrong about it. Right? And it's not spiritual at all. You're going to love it. Right? <laughs> Sophomore year. Okay? <clears throat> my, uh, you know, in, I was in a different, we didn't have a Kyle at my university. I was in something called InterVarsity. I was a leader. Right? I'm a leader in InterVarsity. I was not a Bible study leader. I was a, a, a different, we had large group leaders and stuff like that. So I was a leader. Our small group met in my dorm room. My roommate led the small group that I was in. I had to study for a biology test, honors biology. And I went, I'm not going to be at a small group tonight because i got too much to study. So I go across the hall to my friend's room to sit in their room to study for this very first honors biology. I, this class was hard. It should be hard with the T at the end of the D, right? It was that class. Now, let me tell you a little bit by myself. I don't mean this in any kind of, I was a good student, right? I was a straight A student in high school. You feel me? Some of you were that, right? You know that moment when you had that one class in college, you're like, what? It is that class. So, I mean, I miss a small group, come on, right? I mean, so I go in the other room, I'm studying. The guy I liked from high school, called me while I'm studying. That's all right, right? This is that guy, right? This is that guy that I pined for, right? He's at a different university. Now, this is about when it means something to him, okay, right? So, now these are ubiquitous. I'm talking landline brother had to pay long distance money. Okay? So I'm missing small group, but I'm going to take that call. And because I was so, as Eli said, Twitter paid it in the moment. Now, what? This guy called me? Now what? Now, here's the thing. I might like to believe it was the Kairos of finally he has realized how essential I am to his life. <laughs> and this great thing that he was missing for years, he's finally realized he's at college, he's missing me, he got it, right? Now, yeah, I might have hoped that was the Kairos I was in, but I should have been paying much better attention to the Kronos, right? So I had the conversation, and then I'm just like in la-la land and can't hardly focus, right? Because I just had a real good conversation with this guy. He thought to call me. And I did study, but boy, did I not study like I was supposed to. <laughs> I went in that next day to that biology class, and I failed that test. Oh, I didn't fail tests, y'all. This is my first test in this honors biology class. I failed it. And then my little happy self learned a really valuable lesson, because that guy didn't keep calling me. He just hadn't been thinking about me, right? We were still friends, but it's not like, it was not the Kairos I wanted. <laughs> the Kairos that was really there 
was the biology class. I had to bust my ever-loving booty for the rest of the three tests in that class. I did manage to pull a B. Yeah. All glory to God. But this was one of the most important lessons I ever learned about managing Kronos in order to not miss out on Kairos, right? Sometimes we learn those lessons hard, right? You, you immediately, so you're thinking of moments for you in order to take advantage sometimes of the practical Kairos. Let me just say this. I ended up being an English major. There was not a science major in my future. You can tell from that story, right? So I was an English major. Um, but there were things I missed out on. I then was a lot more stressed. Talking about anxiety, worry, and stress. I added a heaping ton of stress to my life and a little bit of shame and worry for a moment of a, what, 45-minute, one-hour conversation led to 14 weeks of worry and stress. Wow. You feel me? Right? So we have to manage Kronos well to take advantage of Kairos. And we got to be real good at reading Kairos. Okay? So here's another thought on that. And how we manage one Kairos can determine a future Kairos. So how I manage this opportunity... I loved, again, what Eli said. Uh, no, actually, when it wasn't him. It was another message I heard. I've heard so many good messages. So there was another message. Andy Stanley, I was listening to a message from him this weekend. Sometimes it's not no forever, but it's no for right now. So sometimes I need to say no. It's not the right opportune moment, right? You can give me that's some snaps worthy, right? Right. How we manage one Kairos can determine a future Kairos, Right? So we've got to be, in a sense, and this is where we need the Lord, we need the leadership, the Holy Spirit, we need good people in our lives to help us process. I was in that room by myself because my small group was across the hall. Right? And I didn't really process with it. I mean, it was in the moment I took it. All right. Also, here's another thing. Here's one of the things I think is one of our worst enemies. Our awareness of everything that we could do and that everyone else is doing is undermining everything we should do. You guys, I, man, I, I feel for you all the time, right? Because I may have been in that little room and I got a phone call, but I did not have a device that was buzzing with notifications from 15 different apps. Right, that point... Okay, our awareness of everything that we could do and that everyone else is doing is undermining everything we should do. I didn't have to know what everybody else on camera. I couldn't pick up Instagram and see, oh, look, there's so-and-so going on at such-and-so. You know, like there are so many things pulling at you. You have an awareness of too many things. You have the ability to know too many things that you could be doing right now. You have too many ways of knowing everything else everybody else is doing. And it is undermining your moments. You are being undermined by the access and the awareness that you are allowing in your life at any given minute throughout the day. Because whether we like it or not, we're stewards of this too. Do we own phones or do they own us? 
Because I'd say quite likely most of us are owned by this. There have been psychological and time studies as well that have been done. It's sheer, the sheer thing of this sitting here makes me less productive. I may not even pick it up and look at it, but there's a portion of our brains that if our phone is next to us, that is divided aware that something might be happening on it. So really good time management piece I'm about to give you. Put that thing somewhere else sometimes. Dare I say turn it off? Yeah. Yeah. Dare I say it, right? So our awareness of everything that we could do and that everyone else is doing is undermining everything that we should do. And then I'll also say this. Our access to more distracting, our access to more distracting and entertaining things to do because you got hundreds of ways you could entertain and distract yourself as well. It's stealing things that God can and wants to do in you and through you. So your access to more distracting and entertaining things that you can do is stealing things that God wants to do in you and through you. And the worst part of all is FOMO is real. Amen to that. Aren't you always afraid you're missing something? I'm missing, what am I missing out on? FOMO is real. Right? And beating down and killing the demon of FOMO. <laughs> you know? FOMO is the barking dog in our lives. Right? That you're like, somebody shut that dog up. You ever live next to that neighbor whose dog barked all night long? You're the neighbor with the dog. <laughs> You don't even know it's your own dog, right? FOMO is real. It is the barking dog. And here's the thing we have to, in all this, again, this last perspective, and then we're going to push real quick into some practical stuff. Embrace something that I think really will. Man, if we could own this, I have to own this. I have to remind myself of this. So we say God is the God of time, right? He created time. You know, one of the most beautiful and life-giving and frustrating truths about God is this, is that God is the God of definition and limitation. God intentionally has placed us in a world, but you in your life, with limitations. You cannot do everything. And you cannot even do most of the things that you want to do. You are a limited resource. Not only are time and money resources, but you. You are the most beautiful tool that the Lord has given you to become all that he has in mind. You are it. And you are limited and time is limited and money is limited. And that is frustrating but it is actually a beautiful gift of God if I will let that settle and go you know what Weta you did miss out on that and you feel sad about that or oh crap I get to the end of my day and be like man my to-do list I didn't do these this and I feel bad about it like no okay wait no Lord you made me that way so Lord I need you to make the gap I need you to Lord intentionally he puts his purposely in frustrating limitations so we'll look to him it is a gift from God 
He wants us to look to, he does not want us to feel like we can take care of all of it. We need him. All right, so let's talk about practice. We talked about perspectives, so let's talk about practice, which you can think of like the hands and your will, our hands and our will. How do we lean into time management in a way? If we change our perspective, if we can come to see these things, man, that'll alleviate a lot in our life. But what are some things we can do? All right, so if God is the God of time and God has given us time, what if you think about time tithing? Yeah. Consider time tithing. Now, that might not, it's not a straight formula like, you know, for some of you, you're very analytical and mathematical, and it'll work well for you to literally go, oh, I've been given 24 hours. So what's 10% of that? Right? You get 2.4 hours, or you can do the actual minutes and go, wait, actually, it's not 2.4, because if I do 60 times this, and then uh, uh, 2. I'll let you do the math, if you want the math, right? But think of it this way. The Lord gives us money, and what the Bible teaches is of, of every $10 he gives us, we should give one back. And that is a way of trusting God, and that is a way of putting a supply in the ministry of God, for things to be done in ministry and needs to be met. And then on top of that, man, we should also be given to missions. So what if of every $10, we gave one back to God for the storehouse and we gave one to God for missions to be accomplished? We still got eight. We still got eight to do what we want with. What if we think of time in a similar way? If God is a God of time and time is a gift and a resource, how much of every day am I going to give to him? Am I giving time to God? Now, you're doing a big one right now by being at SALT. Mad credit in the God bank. <laughs> right? This is an excellent choice of time. But think about it in some categories. So what would areas be that I can think about? So what do you do on a daily basis that's just you and God? Every day, if at all possible. And sometimes it is seasonal. Sometimes I can say this as a mom. My ability to do this every day... A lot less than it was when I was in college. But if I don't see a regular habit, think of it this way. You need a regular habit, more days than not days in a week. What time am I giving just about my relationship with God? Me and God. So I like to think of it as solo time. Is a time type. Spiritual disciplines, beyond that, okay? Spiritual disciplines that are scripture and prayer, but also what about Fasting. I have gotten into a habit, and it's made a huge difference in my life spiritually. It really has, of having seasons in the year where I will do some kind of fast. I will give that part of my time and what I would normally do with that time, eating or media or whatever it is, and go, nope, God gave me time. I'm going to give this time to God and see what he does with this. Okay, I'm limiting myself on purpose. Another big one, Sabbath. Sabbath taking a break on purpose. Now, you may be like, I don't have a full day. Well, you have a full something. You know, if it's, okay, every week I take a half a day. Right? Let's not get so legalistic <clears throat> and go, well, I can't take a whole day, so I won't even think about Sabbath. Some of us got to start with baby steps because you're so addicted to achievement and getting it done. I've been there. I'm there sometimes. You go, well, so let's just start with it. Every Sunday, I'm giving five hours that I'm just... It, and it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm roaming through the flowers and trees with Jesus. 
Here's the way I like to think of it. There's a really great quote. I wish you could remember who said it. If we work with our hands, we should Sabbath with our mind. And so people who are physical laborers, they maybe should pull and like read or do something that's not a physical thing. But if we work with our mind, we should Sabbath with our body. Do something that is like get away from the screen, go for a hike, do a pro- it's okay to find something that's a, do a crafts project if you're craftsy, whatever. Something, yes, there should be part of that that's spiritual, but it's about renewing. It's taking a break from your labor. It's taking that burden, that baggage, and going, I'm putting this over here, and I'm going to take a break. I'm going to enjoy the fact that God wants me to do that. Okay? Another one we think about a time tithe. What are you doing for missions and serving other people? Intentionally not doing what you want. In, or, in order to serve. Now, that could be, um, instead of going to Panama City Beach for spring break, I'm going to Costa Rica. Not for a vacation, I'm going to go do this missions thing. Summer, I'm going to go give a whole summer. I'm going to give a year of my life. Or this week, I'm going to, my small group and I, instead of us going to the game, we're going to go work at, you know, feed the homeless, right? So where are we giving time to the Lord? That's not like this to-do list to do either. That's about going, Lord, I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to use it differently. So consider a time tied as a time management tool. Margin. Now I'll flip this around so you can see it, because it's a life-giving. <laughs> right? White space. White space. Good graphic designers will tell you White space is essential to good design, right? Your overall mental health and physical well-being is, is very much tied to where's the white space in your life? Where are you intentionally, t- intentionally tell yourself no? <coughs> Create margin. Lean into this idea that God's a God of limitations and partner with him and go, all right, you know what, God, I'm in it. In my fact, here's something I do this extra. I'm going to cut it out. A good way to think about this, some of you are familiar with this, maybe even read a couple of great books that are out there right now. I want some of you to consider creating a rule of life. If you've not looked into this concept, I strongly recommend you. There's some great books. The Rule of Life. There's one called The Common Rule. Right, And here's the idea. Intentionally choosing a couple of practices that are daily practices and a couple that are weekly practices. There's a really great book I read two years ago on this. A couple things that are daily practices, a couple things that are weekly practices, and then maybe, oh, what's a practice that's monthly or annually related to how I use time? So here would be a good example of a rule of life. The guy who wrote this book, whose name I can't remember right now, I apologize. What he does every day for an hour This gets turned off for one whole hour or two whole hours, which is off. Every day at lunch, he has an alarm that goes off, and he will actually bow, like get on his knees to have a moment of prayer, right? That's a good day. In the morning, here's a good daily rule. No device before I've spent time with God. Come on now. Maybe to the point that you even get a different kind of alarm clock. 
Because I know it's my alarm clock too, and then it's really easy to pick it over and go, oh, look. Right? A rule of life, it puts limitations on us. A good weekly rule would be Sabbath, or I'm going to have a good half a day that I, yeah, I'm getting away, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. Rhythms, create rhythms and rules. And you'd be surprised what it actually does for all the to-dos. So like, what's that got to do with me doing better with my tests and stuff? I promise you, you're going to start telling your time what to do. You start giving these things to God, you'll start managing the other things better. So consider having a rule of life. Make your phone and your devices work for you. Make them work for you instead of against you. Praise God for screen time and downtime. Amen. Right? But you got to actually honor that and not keep just blowing past and t- typing the code in. Because I get frustrated with mine, too. I'm like, I have mine set that from 10 p.m. at night to 7 a.m. in the morning is downtime. Now, sometimes i got to, you know, change that up. I'm at salt. I changed it to 2 a.m. the other night. Because <laughs> let's get real. Right? But... Use these things. Use the scheduling. Use the calendars. Use the alerts. Now, don't be that person who's always got stuff going off because then you're just undermining yourself again. You're smart people. Make your stuff work for you. Another one would be consider if you have to go analog. What do I mean by that? Not only do I use reminders and stuff like here, I have a legal pad that I make a to-do list. Go analog. Make a good old-fashioned to-do list. And one of the best pieces of advice I would say to you related to that, think of your day in movements of three, right? We get a to-do list, and I can look at a to-do list, and I put, you know, numbers and days by it. But I had a really great uh, calendar tied in liturgical spiritual disciplines planner that I used a couple years ago that I loved. It would force me to choose three big things I wanted to accomplish every day. That's all I could choose. What were the three big movements, right? So for you, I'd be like, but we don't got five classes. Well, it could be a more broader thing related to those classes, right? So one of your big goals for the day could have something to do, right? But thinking of, okay, rather than doing all the things, what are the three most important things I want to see happen today? What are the things that have to happen today? And then what are the other things behind that? Uh, Here's another big secret. And this is the next to the last point, then we're done. Break large tasks into smaller tasks. So you may think of your day in movements of three, but then under that, and this is part of what overwhelms us, right? I got that project due. I got that piece set I've got to do, right? Some of the chemistry and engineering people in the room, right? right? You know, like, that's going to take me 40 hours. How am I? And you start to feel, it's like the weight, right? Start to break it into smaller things. Okay, I'm going to do half of it in this time frame. That's always, it's a huge stressor on us when we think of things as, they've got this whole thing i got to do. It is life-giving to break things into smaller chunks and think of them in smaller chunks. I have a 30-page paper i got to write. Okay, wait, I'm not going to think about that. And I said this as someone who's a terrible procrastinator. Because I love the rush of getting it all done at the last minute. Pathetic. Yeah, right? You are my people. How do you like that? However, right. 
However, here's one of the things that my brain, here's the way my brain works. I would frequently have worked out what the points were, and it is with sermons too. Before I write anything on paper, I've got a lot of things organized in my head. So there are little tasks. Write the introduction in the first page or figure out what my key points are. Setting things related to that. Great large tasks and the smaller tasks. And here's the last point. Make your downtime and your fun time more intentional rather than accidental. Another way to think about it is avoid rabbit holes. Right? Like, go, I swear, I'm only going to watch one episode of The Great British Bake Off and not the whole season. And some of you don't care, but I'm not going to say what some of y'all are watching. I'm only going to watch half the season of Ted Lasso. I'm not going to watch. So, but whatever it is, so don't just, uh, like, be more aware of the accidental, oh, I was sitting there, so I just pulled it up real quick, and before I knew it, man, two hours I was playing that game. So, again, we are stewards. All right. My favorite time travel movie of all time, Back to the Future. Yes. Right? We love this concept. We have tons of movies that are time travel movies. I just finished watching all the episodes that are available on Netflix of The Flash with my son. Many of y'all fans of that, right? Time travel, we're obsessed. I'm sorry, but Marty McFly and the doc don't exist, and we're not going back in time. You are all wonderful people. You are in a kairos that is unlike any other season of your life. You actually have more discretionary time, more freedom, and more beautiful opportunities to do some things than you will ever have again. The moment I stepped off my college campus, I was not aware of how the dynamics would shift. As you pursue the Lord in this time thing, and I think you can even do this in the altars of this place tonight, go, Lord, what do you have for this kairos? Show me how to number my days so that I can live as someone who is wise. Manage the chronos well with the Lord. He will help you manage the kairos. Right? Thank you so much. Lunch time.